0: Thank you, Don, and thank you, Rachel, for reading earlier. So today is the last Sunday before the season of Lent, and we are concluding the season of Epiphany. Now, the word Epiphany means light, and so we've been talking a lot about light. You might notice that the songs that we're singing have to do with light, and so that is kind of the theme for today, that Jesus is light, come into a dark world. So we're gonna look at the story of the transfiguration. You might remember that story. And then we're gonna look over at the passage that Don just read, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses three through six. I'm gonna invite you to find a Bible this morning, and you're gonna to have to pay attention this morning as we kind of move around in the scriptures. Let's read the story of the transfiguration first. This is Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse two. After six days, Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice from the cloud, a voice came from the cloud This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until a son of man had risen from the dead. How many of you have heard this story before, right, it's transfiguration. I've preached on it several times. Jesus breaks away from the larger group with his closest companions, James and John and Peter and they travel up to a mountaintop and there extraordinary things happen. Jesus. Is transformed before them transfigured before them he's glowing white mark describes it in verse 3 his clothes became dazzling white whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them and we know something out of the ordinary has happened here but what and why is this happening first of all we know that it's on a mountaintop and Things seem to happen on mountaintops, don't they? God seems to show up on mountaintops. You might remember Mount Moriah where the sacrifice of Isaac is averted in Genesis chapter 22. You might remember Mount Sinai with the giving of the Ten Commandments, the law in Exodus chapter 19. And here Jesus is with his companions and he goes to a mountaintop. Some scholars have made the connection with Jesus' clothes shining, connected that with the Shekinah glory cloud that was in the wilderness, this pillar of fire that led the people of God, the glory of God, the light of God. As we keep reading, we see other dynamics in this story. The disciples don't seem to get it, do they? They don't seem to understand. Peter's ready to set up camp and remain in this place. But Jesus has another plan, doesn't he? He's getting ready. To go to the cross to die for the sins of the world he he is on a mission in fact we read in mark that jesus is talking with moses and elijah now in luke we have a little bit more information about their conversation luke tells us they spoke about his departure now the greek word for departure there is the word exodon what does that sound like exodus right Jesus is on a saving mission, rescue mission. The Exodus was where the people of God were rescued out of Egyptian slavery. This exodon, this departure is going to have to do with Jesus going to the cross, dying for the sins of the world. Again, it is a salvation mission, but in a different sort of way, in a way that won't be limited to one people in one time and place, but will be for the whole world for all eternity. So we're talking about this deal. Peter, James, and John are simply watching. Peter voices his idea about setting up three shelters. I was listening to a sermon last week, and the the pastor said, Peter seldom opens his mouth without sticking his foot in it. He always has something to say, doesn't he? Mark comments on Peter's foible here. Mark says he didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. But Peter's the kind of guy, instead of keeping quiet, he always opens his mouth, right? Before they can regain their composure, another extraordinary display of God's power takes place. It says in verse 7, Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Same thing that he said at the baptism, right? Jesus is the one that is on mission for God. Peter, your idea about setting up these shelters, not a good idea, just focus on Jesus. He is what God is doing in the world. And then in verse eight, we read suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. It all seems to happen so fast. But but look at what Jesus tells them in verse nine. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Now we've seen this in Mark several times, haven't we? Jesus performs a miracle, something that you just want to go and tell everybody about. And Jesus says, don't tell anybody, be quiet. He kind of puts a veil over it, if you will, not forever, but for a time. The time was not quite right for Jesus to go to the cross and Jesus did not want this story to get out. So with this in mind, with the transfiguration in mind, I wanna take you to another story. Who's Jesus talking with on the mountain? Moses and Elijah, right? And you might remember Moses' trip to another mountain. In Exodus chapter 34, we have it recorded. He goes up to the mountain, and there he encounters God in powerful ways, in the same way that Jesus and James and Peter and John encountered God. Moses was given the Ten Commandments. And Do you remember what happens when Moses comes down from the mountain? His face is shining, Right? He has this radiance about it. Moses didn't realize it at first, but we read in Exodus chapter thirty-four, thirty, when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. Now think about this for a moment. He encountered God on a mountain, and he's lit up. Not quite in the same way that Jesus was lit up, but the glory of God is shining through him. And Moses puts a veil over his face. Now, Moses veils his face because as the glory of God began to fade, he didn't want people to see it fading. But again, you see the connection here? Jesus is coming down from the mountain with with his disciples, and he says, I want you to keep it hidden, right? Moses comes down from the mountain and puts a veil over his face, keeping it hidden. He encountered God in a similar sort of way, but his um, experience was limited. Again, the glory of God would fade. From moses's face so we got these two stories in mind and with these stories in mind let me ask you to flip over to second corinthians chapter 4 and let's look at that passage that don read earlier in verse 3 paul writes this and even if our gospel good news is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing that's what we've been talking about hiding and veils right jesus says keep it quiet moses has a veil over his face and here paul speaks of the gospel the good news of christ as being veiled but it's veiled now to those who are perishing he continues to tell us the reason that they are that it is veiled it says in verse 4 the god of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers So they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Now who is the God of this age? That is the evil one, right? Satan. He has blinded, he has veiled the gospel. He's kept people from seeing it and encountering God's glory. Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you look around your world and you see people that just don't understand faith, right? They don't get it. Maybe you have family members who think that you're crazy for following Jesus, they just don't see what you see. Why don't they get it? Paul says because they're blinded. The gospel is veiled for those around us. Now, if we flip back to, verse, or to chapter three here in 2 Corinthians, let me ask you to flip back, chapter three beginning in verse 12. Paul tells us that we are not like Moses. Look at what he says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. So here's this veil being discussed here by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Jesus told his followers, keep it hidden. Moses kept the glory of God hidden. But Paul says that we are not like Moses. We have something that Moses did not have. And what we have is not from within us, Paul says, but is outside of us and something that we did not come up with on our own. Back to chapter four, look at verse five. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So like Peter and James and John, we have experienced something that is bigger than us, that is greater than us. And when we encounter it, it overwhelms us. Now, here's the cool part of the text, and this is where I'd like to land this morning. Paul tells us that God is now in the business of taking veils off. Look what he says in verse 6. For a God who said... Let light shine out of darkness. Made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That's a lot there, isn't it? But do you see what he's pulling from? You see, he's pulling from the story of Moses. There's a connection here with the transfiguration. You see, Moses had the light of God radiating from his face. It was there for a while, but it began to fade. So where is God's light now, Paul says? Not in our faces, but in our hearts. And the light of God in our heart is the same glory, the same glory of God that was on Mount Sinai. It's the same glory that was displayed in the face of Christ. And now, Paul tells us, we no longer need veils. Now, the evil one wants to veil it, wants to cover it over, wants to hide it. He doesn't want people to experience this gospel, the glory in which God has come into the world. But we, as followers of God, are called to be people of light. And throughout the scriptures, we see this image of light, don't we? All the way back in Genesis chapter one, we read God said, let there be light, and there was light. John told us in his gospel, in the first chapter, verse four and five, in him, he's speaking of Jesus, was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it john continues to describe light in fact he uses that word light it's the greek word phos you think of photography right light phos 23 times in his gospel john says in chapter 3 verse 19 this is the verdict Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so so that they may see plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Light in darkness. Light always beats darkness, doesn't it? So God has torn back the veil. God has turned the floodlights on his glory. We're no longer being told, keep it quiet. We're no longer being told, put a veil over your face. Instead, Paul says, let your light shine. Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 2. Maybe you've heard this verse, chapter 2, verse 15. So that you, speaking to us, may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation and then Paul says this then you will shine like them among like stars in the sky that's a great image isn't it shining like stars in the sky and think of stars for just a moment will you stars have light inside of them right our, our sun is a star stars have their own gravitational fields that 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 put in and heat them up They heat up so much that nuclear reactions actually take place. Atoms of hydrogen are fused into atoms of helium. This reaction causes this enormous amount of energy inside of a star called gamma rays. Gamma rays are trapped inside of a star for a long time. Some scientists tell us maybe 100,000 years before they burst out. And the gamma rays that burst out are called what? Photons, all you scientists in the room, right? Photons can travel long distances. You see that? Photons, phos, light. You look at a star like Sirius located eight light years away, scientists tell us that you're looking at photons that left the surface of that star eight years ago, traveled through space without running into anything. It's hard to wrap our minds around, isn't it? But that's what light does. Light is powerful, isn't it? light makes its way through darkness it overcomes the dark universe it cannot be stopped or overwhelmed by darkness light always beats darkness and light is not diminished by darkness again false light i don't think paul understood everything that we understand about astronomy but i think the connection can still be made so we have these images, don't we, in our, in our scriptures, veils, veils hide, veils keep things from being seen. But God wants to demolish veils. And then we have this other image, light. Light is something that God is, God is light, Jesus is light. And now Paul talks about this light being in our hearts and shining through us. And he starts talking about us being like stars in the universe, shining through the darkness. All of these images here. You see as jesus came down from the mount of transfiguration he was heading to the cross he said guys keep it under wrap for a little while here but in time we know he would go to the cross and he would die for us and that light that light on the mountain would make its way into our hearts and like gamma rays bursting out of a star that light is bursting out of you and me jesus conquered death by rising from the dead and now the glory of God is placed into the hearts of his people you know I wonder how might God be calling you and me to be light in our dark world maybe it's in your neighborhood maybe your neighborhood's a dark place and God would be calling you to be there to build relationships with people in your neighborhood to get to know them to spend time with them and to be light in that place maybe it's in your office maybe you would say i live in i work in a dark place not literally dark but maybe there's evil all around people are fighting for position people are telling things that aren't true and there's all sorts of gossip and bickering and all that sort of stuff in your office maybe god would be calling you to be light in that place maybe it's your school you walk around and you say this is a dark place but god can be light through you in that dark place you see spiritual veils are placed on our world that's what Paul says but the glory of God is brighter than any darkness I wonder how God might be calling you to be light in your world it's Transfiguration Sunday and we have proclaimed together that light has come into the world but the coolest part about this is that it's not a temporary light It's a permanent light. It's not gonna fade like Moses. It's embedded in us and it shines through us. It has the potential to greatly impact the dark places of our world. How might we shine? How might God be calling us to shine? In what ways might we be light? I want to read one more passage this morning. This is a familiar passage, but I think it's a great passage to close with this morning. This is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You might picture the teacher standing on the hill, many listening to his voice. And he said this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl." Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Would you pray with me? God, we are grateful for your word. We're able to see the tapestry, the theme of veils and light and darkness, Woven throughout the scriptures. And God, as we here are here on the other side of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, some 2,000 years later, we know that these words still are true for us. That we have light inside of us. Not light that we've created or manufactured, but light that is from you. It is the glory of God in us. God, help us to shine that light wherever you might be calling us to shine it.